Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Some of you know that I grew up in a family that likes to laugh. A few months before my father died, back in October, I was speaking with him as I was walking up Fifth Avenue. And when I got in front of the Guggenheim, my father got serious for a moment and he said, Patrick, I want you to know that I love you. And I paused. And then I said, you dummy, I know that. And then both of us just started laughing and laughing and laughing. It was a wonderful moment. I shared that with you because my brother and sister-in-law are visiting this morning. And if you would, please, share with them some of the humor and warmth of our congregation. Our New Testament reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, the 17th chapter, beginning with verse number 1. Listen once again to the Word of God. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white suddenly. There appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them saying, Get up, and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Throughout Scripture, big things happen on mountains. Where did Noah's Ark land? On a mountain. Where did God tell Abraham, I will make a great nation of you, and your offspring will be like the sands of the seashore? Where did God say that? On a mountain. Where did God give Moses the Ten Commandments? On a what? Where did Jesus say these strange kinds of things like, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, love your enemies? Where did he say that on top of a... Throughout Scripture, big things, important things, challenging things happen. In our Scripture reading today, we discover that also frightening things happen on top of the mountain. Jesus has taken his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and they have gone up high on a mountain. Matthew says that while they were there... Jesus was transfigured. His face shone brilliantly. His clothes became dazzling white. And then this booming voice came from heaven. This is my son, the beloved. 
With him, I am well pleased. Do those words sound familiar? The same words that God spoke when Jesus was baptized. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared there with Jesus and the disciples. Moses is the embodiment of the law of the Old Testament. Elijah is the embodiment of the prophets of the Old Testament. And there they are. It's a scene out of a Steven Spielberg movie. It's a special effects extravaganza. What's going on? Why do we pause in the liturgical year to talk about the transfiguration? Well, Jesus is a person just like I am a person and you are a person. Jesus has flesh and blood. His feet get tired and his throat gets dry after a long day of walking from one dusty village to another. He gets hungry. He wants to sleep. Jesus is a person just like we are. And if Jesus were worshiping with us this morning and we saw him, we would see nothing particularly noteworthy about Jesus. He's another human being. He would fit right in. Matthew knows, of course, that he is a regular human being, but Matthew also knows something else about Jesus, namely that Jesus is also the Son of Man. That is, the special figure, the special servant through whom God will usher in God's new way of living on earth. And for a brief moment, for a brief moment on top of that mountain, we see Jesus as he truly is. Yes, he is a human being, but he is also radiating with the very glory and presence of God. It is a moment of candid incandescence. The biblical scholar and well-known preacher Tom Long says about this passage that the story pulls back the heavenly shroud to reveal, if only for an instant, the incognito activity of God woven undetected in the fabric of human history and disguised in the ordinariness of life. When Jesus' face begins to shine and his clothes become luminous, it's not because of some mutation in him. It is a disclosure of what is already true about him, a sign of his glory, an apocalyptic way of saying, look, this Jesus of splendor is who he really is. Big things happen on mountains throughout scripture. And in this passage, we are catching, if only for a moment, a glimpse of who Jesus is. He is the embodiment, the very presence of the glory of God here in our midst. The disciples, of course, are a little bit unnerved. They are looking at one another. They're looking at Jesus. They're looking over at Elijah and Moses. What do they say? What do they do? And then with all the um, serenity of a cat in a room full of rocking chairs, Peter, it's always Peter, why is it always Peter? Peter just blurts out. Have you ever been around someone who was so anxious and so worked up? They just couldn't stop talking. And they went on and on and on and on. That's what's going on with Peter right now. Peter yells out, Lord, it is good that we are here. Uh, I will make three booths for us. Uh, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Is that okay, Jesus? Really? Is that okay? How about that, Jesus? And James and John, I mean, I see them. I see the, the fraternity brothers up there on that mountain. They're, they're, they're kind of looking down and going, oh, Lord, Peter, just shut up. Shut up, Peter. Come on. Uh, you, you're making us look bad here, brother. You got to shut up. You got to shut up. 
finally, God has enough of it. God is tired of hearing him go on and on and on and on. And that's when the cloud envelops them, and that's when God says, interrupts Peter. It, the text is wonderful on this point. It says, while Peter was still speaking, I mean, he still hasn't shut up. And God sends the cloud, and then the voice says, this is my beloved son, in him I am well pleased. Big things happen on mountains. Important things, and today, very frightening things happen on mountains. Jesus' face is lit up, and Moses and Elijah are there. God speaks, this is my son. And yet we still haven't come to the truly terrifying part of the story. It's what God says next that gets to me. God says to Peter, James, and John, listen to him. This is my son, the beloved, in him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Well, do you, do any of you remember what was going on before they went up the mountain? Jesus had just told them what kind of Messiah he would be. Not a charismatic figure. Not a popular figure. Not one that would rule through power and might. But a Savior who comes to die. A Savior who comes to identify with the brokenness and the pain and the messiness of the world. Listen to him. Many, many years ago, Deb and I went to Jamaica. Doesn't that sound nice and romantic? Except we didn't go to the resorts and we didn't go to the beautiful beaches. We went to the inner city of Kingston. And along with other students from the states, other pastors, we stayed at the seminary of the West Indies. And the week that we were there, we studied Caribbean theology, Caribbean history. We talked to other pastors who lived in Kingston. We worshiped in their congregations. And then one afternoon, we went to visit a place where hundreds upon hundreds of people were living. A social worker met us at the seminary. We piled into a van, and off we went. And he made left-hand turns, and he made right-hand turns. And we were about five minutes from our destination. Going down a road, and a car approaching us slows down. The driver sticks his arm out the window, and signals us to slow down and stop. The driver comes to a stop. He looks over the other driver, and the driver of the other car says, do not go there. There are mean people down there. And I looked at Deb and said, you know, this was your idea? <laughs> we continue to drive. A second car the driver flagged us down. Stop, stop, stop. We stopped. The driver yelled out to our driver, Sir, excuse me, sir, but I do not think you want to go down there. There are mean people down there. Now, by this time, I'm getting just a little bit apprehensive. 
a little bit nervous. And so when we got out of the van, when we arrived, I stayed right by that social worker. I mean, I'm sure Deb was around somewhere, but I, I don't know where she was. I, I just stayed with the social worker. So I wanted to make sure everybody knew that I was, I was with him and they liked him. My friends, up until that point in my life, and indeed since that point, I have never witnessed such poverty and squalor and suffering. Never. Men, women, children were literally living in cardboard boxes and out of little huts fashioned out of scrap metal. One or two might have had running water, but that was a luxury. Some had dangerously tapped into a nearby power source to have a little bit of electricity. But they were in desperate condition. Eating garbage. Exposed to the elements. And Jesus tells us, God tells us, listen to him? Really? God, you really want us to listen to this Jesus? Right before they go to the mountain, Jesus is explaining that he's the kind of Messiah who comes to die for us. And don't get lost in abstract theories about the atonement. When we say that Jesus died for us, it means that Jesus comes into our world to identify personally, physically, emotionally with the violence and the brokenness and the pain and the misery of human existence. Listen to him. Which means, you see, if, if we want to experience Jesus, we've got to get out of the church. If you want to experience Jesus, come here on a Thursday night when we are feeding our homeless brothers and sisters. If you really want to get to know Jesus, go and visit the slums of Kingston. Go to the chat shacks of Appalachia. If you really want to get to know Jesus, go to the emergency rooms where women who have been battered by their husbands and their boyfriends have their cuts sewn up and their bones reset. You want to meet Jesus? That's where we go to meet Jesus. Go to the psychiatric units and speak to the men and the women and the children who are living with pain, horrible pain every day. Go, go to... Go where human pain and misery are. And there we will encounter Jesus. In three days on Ash Wednesday, we begin our annual Lenten pilgrimage to Jerusalem. That morning, that afternoon, and that evening, we will be offering ashes, a sign of the cross, on our forehead. This is a reminder for us to listen to Jesus. The Jesus who leads us into the brokenness and pain and abject misery of our world because that is where God is bringing about hope and transformation and healing. Three days away is Ash Wednesday. May, may, may I ask you a personal question? Do you really want to follow Jesus? In my more honest moments, I go, no, no. 
I, I know where Jesus is going. I know where Lent will take us, namely to the cross. I know the kind of experience that Jesus will have. I know that he is leading us to situations where there is racial injustice and oppression against our gay and lesbian brothers and sisters and horrible discrimination against our poor brothers and sisters. That's where Jesus is leading us. Jesus is seeking a transformation of our world so that everybody is included. So that there are no more places like that in Kingston where men, women, and children are living in cardboard boxes. So, so sometimes, yeah, sometimes I like Jesus because I like to come to a nice sanctuary and I, really, well, I like to talk and I like to preach. You know that by now. And um, I love our music here, but it, you know what the problem with Jesus is? He takes God too seriously. He takes God and God's work in the world far more seriously than I want to. So yeah, sometimes I want to follow Jesus, but when we get to this time of the year, I'm going like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But if you do, if you really do want to follow Jesus to Jerusalem, if you really want to come face to face with the injustice and the pain and the brokenness of the world, follow him. How many of you remember the actor Cliff Robertson? Oh, thank goodness. I, I was afraid that was, um, I was afraid that might be too obscure a reference for, for some of you, but I, no, there's some good people here this morning who know about Cliff Robertson. In the movie Charlie, do any of you remember that movie Charlie? Nicholas is a wonderful movie, isn't it? In the movie Charlie, Cliff plays a young man with intellectual disabilities. And as much as he yearns to know and to learn and to grow, he simply doesn't have the ability. Instead, he is taunted and ridiculed. And then yet, through a miracle of modern medicine, he becomes a genius. And at once, he's able to talk easily with an informed opinion about literature, politics, mathematics, physics. In one of the movie's later scenes, Charlie is at a bar with some friends and a waiter is carrying a tray of glasses, and he stumbles, and all the glasses shatter on the floor, and all the patrons begin to laugh and point and ridicule the young man who has tripped on the floor. And Charlie looks at him, and then in a moment of deep identification, he recognizes that this young man, too, is intellectually challenged. So Charlie slowly walks over and he gets down on his hands and knees and he helps the young man pick up all the shattered pieces of glass on the floor. My friends, in this Lenten season, I'm going to try to follow Jesus. And I hope you do too. And if we do that together, we might we might just see Jesus down on his hands and knees, gathering and holding and healing the shattered pieces of our lives.